Welcome to episode 35 of RJ Bell's Dream Preview MLB Edition. My name is Taylor Ringled. I'm your host, and my co-host is here. His name is Griffin Warner. We will bring you just another episode of all things MLB betting. And on this episode, it's a Friday episode. That means we'll give you, of course, at every single episode, we give you a little best bet at the end of the episode. But we're going to give you a series spotlight. We're going to recap our best bets. And, of course, we'll break down Friday's card, last game of the first half before the All-Star break. And before we even get into recapping our best bets, for next week's schedule, for Monday's episode, we will be talking about the Home Run Derby and the All-Star game, kind of breaking down both teams, giving odds on the game, breaking down the Home Run Derby, who is our favorites, and how personal favorites, not the favorites are betting, but we'll also give that as well. And then for Wednesday's episode, since there's no games on Wednesday, we'll be breaking down the first half of the Major League season, talk about the most surprising teams, the most disappointing teams, and also disappointing players and players that we thought wouldn't even come and play this well in 2020. We'll talk about who's favorite to win the divisions now as talk about what the odds were in the beginning of the year. We'll bring all that down on Wednesday's episode. So just reiterate again, Monday's episode is Home Run Derby and All-Star Game Breakdown, and we'll give you betting lines as well for that. And then on Wednesday, recapping the entire MLB first half and talking about who's our favorites and most surprising favorites could be in the second half of the 2020 season. Okay, Griff, talk to me about our best bets. I want you to talk about yours because mine was – uh, unfreakable it's unfreaking believable how epic it was okay i watched the, the the last like three innings and i was sweating the entire time well um i didn't get a seven run uh eighth and ninth inning or whatever the heck the combination was unfortunately um i mean shohei otani gotta tip my cap he's been awesome uh he is literally i mean he was the the reason that the lead got extended uh the astros were, were giving him some trouble but He's awesome at striking his way out of trouble. Uh, happens pretty regularly, but it uh, was a frustrating evening for me. Christian Javier, I feel like um, I, I was a little surprised on how quickly uh, Dusty Baker pulled the plug on him, but he, after those two big starts in a row um, where he struck out the world, I mean, he struck out a million guys last night. I think 10 of his 11 outs or nine of his 11 outs were strikeouts. Yeah. So uh, that's pretty hard to do and certainly shows his ceiling. Um, but it just wasn't a great outing. And I thought for an Astros team that doesn't strike out a lot, um, Shohei was getting some calls, but certainly deserved his, his slider is just so nasty and he can throw it for strikes and it's really hard to hit. Yeah. And, and most sports books are, are putting Shohei Otani as now the favorite to win the MVP after his start last night. And to, there is arguments to say that he's the best player in the game again because of his pitching. He is definitely deserving to win this award, and we'll get all into that on Wednesday's episode. But he had just another start. I think this is his fourth start in a row with double-digit strikeouts, and he had two RBIs last night too. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm correct, but yeah, it's kind I of a tough one. He had a yeah. triple, he had a triple that RBS. took a one nothing lead to 3 nothing. Um, yeah. Not sure it was a really hard hit ball, but he placed it very nicely. And uh, it looked like, honestly, he was kind of saving his legs for the mound. But it was like, ah, I can get a triple here, so I'll, I'll take the extra bag. And, uh, you know, the, the Astros bullpen was pretty disappointing last night. But um, I think there's more that can be said about your best bet. Oh, my God. I remember I had, I had people hit me up saying, like, I know you want Tony Gonsolin, but, you know, you've personally had a hard time with Wainwright. And I'm going to tell you right now, Griffin, I said this before, I need to stay away from him because he just gives me headaches. It's either he's going to be in the game when I bet against him or when I bet on him, he's going to get knocked around and he's not going to get a W. But this time he pitched fairly well. Wainwright pitched fa fairly well for the Cardinals. You know, didn't get out of the sixth inning, but he didn't allow a run. He had five strikeouts, held the Dodgers bats to zero runs in his outing. But the Dodgers did not quit. This was by far the the best and most entertaining, entertaining game of the year, personally for me. 
I know the Red Sox comeback the other night against the Yankees was definitely entertaining to watch. But I think a lot of people thought going into this game, including myself, that this was going to be an easy win for the Dodgers because Gonsolin has been arguably unhittable all year long. And now his ERA is now just hit two. It's actually at 202 right now. God forbid, you know, a guy has an ERA around there. Um, but, you know, left five runs. The Cardinals got to him pretty early. But the bullpen for the Dodgers came up clutch. Kimbrell came up with a clutch eighth inning. And then the rest of the bullpen kind of just stuck it together. And we had just, you had clutch it at bats. I remember in the ninth inning, Turner starts it off with a double. Pitch runner Austin Barnes. Austin Barnes gets to third base because of a bloop single by Cody Bellinger. And Barnes trips over third base. And he's in the middle of third and home stumbling and i'm sweating freaking out i'm yelling in my bed it's like 11 30 i was griff i was texting you when this game was going on i was freaking out saying what the fuck was barnes doing and i didn't realize he tripped and lo and behold that was more important in the game for him not scoring at that moment because of how everything happened because um with bellinger on second Muncy hits the fly ball, the sack fly. Then Bellinger goes to third. Then um, I think it was what's his name hit the the RBI. Alberto hits the R, the go ahead RBI. Of all, pe- of all people, dude, he actually hits really well. I, and I and I know that only because in MLB the show, his hitting stats are actually pretty good. I think he's just a good, really good contact hitter. He's not gonna go crazy with you in the home runs, but. That's all you needed. A single Bellinger's on third. And I just, it was one of those games where you just, one of the reasons why betting's fun is because of that. Ha, those ha, kind of moments. Ha, ha, it, fun. Fun for some fun. people, or it yeah, literally and, makes you want to jump off a bridge. And don't do what? any of that, please, no, any of you listeners. No, but it's fun because, like, it's fun now looking at it because I won. Because it was like, I was on the edge of my seat, sweating through the whole thing knowing that, like, I need this best bet to win. I wanted to win. Um, I got a two-game winning streak right now, and uh, I was like, holy shit. Now, of course, if they lost, I'd be furious. When they were down six, I was just like, what the hell? I picked Gonsolin to win. But that was our best bets from our Wednesday episode. Appreciate everybody uh, listening in. Of course, at the end of our episode, we'll give our best bets for Friday. But before we get into our series spotlights going in, I'm going to give you guys a little information about the pregame.com forum, how it's the great, it's a great place to share your picks, opinions, and questions with other sports bettors. Have a question about this week's tournament? Simply log into pregame.com in your account, click on the forum, type in your question, and boom, you just started a conversation. Easy as that. I know Griff's done it. I've done it. It's easy. The pregame.com form is real time and is open 24-7. Want to share stats, odds, or you think you want to just start a conversation about who's the greatest of all time, go do it in the pregame.com form. That's where the that's where to do it. Forms are filled with passionate sports fans just like you, just like me, just like Griff. So if you haven't signed up to pregame.com form yet, go do it. You're missing out. Be part of community and be a part of pregame. Do it now. All right, Griff, what is your serious spotlight for Friday and then going into the weekend? I'm going to go uh, to out to the Bay Area. It starts tonight, but uh, the Brewers visiting the San Francisco Giants. Uh, Giants have not been playing well. Um, they are in a bit of a rut. I feel like a lot of teams right now are just trying to survive to the all-star break and not take too many losses but the Giants were not very good against the uh, Diamondbacks at home this last series. The Brewers uh, played pretty well, I think, in Minnesota, but uh, ultimately I think are a little bit below their expectations. Uh, the nice part for the Brewers, they got Corbin Burns on the mound tonight, Brandon Woodruff tomorrow, Eric Lauer, who's maybe coming back a little into form after kind of looking like he was going through a bit of a dead period uh, in June. And then Jason Alexander, not from Seinfeld, a different version. Um, <laughs> he's, uh, I, the Sunday starter, not looking great for, for, uh, Milwaukee, but the giants are, are going Rodon tonight. Alex Wood tomorrow for a really good start. Alex Cobb 
and then closing with Logan Webb. I, I feel like um, it's a big series for San Francisco. Um, they're going to have to just kind of, I mean, they're, they're three games behind the Padres right now in third place in the NL West. Uh, the Brewers leading the NL Central should be two playoff teams, potentially at least, uh, trying to fight their way into better seating, positioning, and all the like. Uh, but the Giants, I think, have been pretty disappointing so far this season. So I'm, I'm very curious to see um, at home where they play a lot better than they do on the road, despite the, the records almost being exactly the same. I feel like they're, they're a good home team, but it hasn't really looked that way so far. And they're at a big bullpen disadvantage. So uh, I'm going to be looking to back the Brewers as much as I can in this series. It's a huge series for the Brewers. They're only up two games against the Cardinals. Those That loss last night for the Cardinals was devastating. They start a series against the Reds on Friday, and that's the last series of the year. So that should be an, uh, hopefully the easy series for the Cardinals. So the Brewers need to win these games. Giants are in desperate need of wins, uh, being 12 games back in first place. And uh, they're not looking good right now. And I think the Brewers being at top of the fir- uh, first place in the Central, they're nice, but you g- you got to come out with these wins right now at the- to end the year. Uh, as you know, ending off, I-, I think it's very important, honestly. I- and I know the mojo will die, you know, when you have that break, that three days off, three, four days off of the All-Star break. But there is something to say of ending your first half of the season with winning the series or even coming out with a sweep, you know, it's, it's huge momentum going into the second half, you know, guys in the locker room clubhouse will say, look, all right, let's continue it. It's important. So um, it's a good series spotlight. I like that. Mine is a, I think a no brainer here, the Yankees and the Red Sox it's in the Bronx this, this weekend, uh, last series between these two guys went four games. It was epic uh, walk-offs. We've seen blown out blowout games. Uh, game one's on Friday night, Evaldi versus Montgomery. Uh, pretty solid matchup there. Uh, both both pitchers of low ERAs. It's going to be a nice pitching matchup. Game two is a matchup from game four, I want to say, of the last series between these two teams is Nick Pavetta taking on Jamison Tyone. Tyone's last start was a little rough. Um, Pavetta. Like we've said before, definitely has shown improvements. Um, definitely an interesting pitcher in this Red Sox rotation. And it's not Sunday Night Baseball. It's a 135 start, the Sunday Night Baseball for – actually, there's no Sunday Night Baseball because it's the last day up before the All-Star break, final game of the 410 on the West Coast. Um, but this series ends off with a – hopefully it goes to an epic pitching matchup. I don't know how long sales would go, but it's Chris Sale taking on – Garrett Cole on in game three. This matchup should be good. Uh, I'd say sale is not going to go too long. This is more of a tune up. This is, I want to say, this is his date. This is his debut. Second start back. You know, he just pitched against the the Rays. Okay. Yeah. I clearly did not watch that Rays game, but he, but he did go five innings. So like I could see six being a a realistic possibility. And, and, you know, sales got a, you know, no BS attitude. You know, he's going to tell his manager, he's going to tell core what he wants. I don't know how much they're going to give him, but maybe six innings is going to be the limit. I'd say six is enough. There's no shot in hell. He'll go seven. Um, I'd say five or six innings is what we're going to see for, from sale. He, he, might is, cut up, he might cut up some jerseys depending on uh, depending what how he like. feels. Right. Definitely. He, or he might destroy some panel in, in the tunnel before he exits his outing. But I think if you this is a huge series, of course, because of the rivalry, Red Sox need this being that they are, uh, let's see, 15 and a half games out of first place. A lot, a lot. I'd say this is the biggest, though, for Garrett Cole. He needs a bounce back start from pitching. Devers owns him. Like you, you have to, in game three, you have to carve up Devers. You have to. Devers has two, he just owns him. I think, uh, his, I should have looked up his numbers before this show, but I, I think it was something absurd where he has like five home runs off him or something like that, something along those lines. But anyway, I'll look up that later. But that's my series spotlight. I'm very excited for the series. I know a lot of fans are, and a lot of people listening to the show are going to be interested in not only my series, but in yours as well. Griff, your hands what a, raised. What, what a 
difference a week makes in terms of a starting rotation for the Red Sox going from four triple A starters in the four game series last weekend to now uh, Evaldi, Pavetta and Sale. I'm not sure that I love the chances, especially in the Bronx. I would expect the Yankees to win the series. Um, but I, I still got to say the Yankees haven't impressed me too much this season, despite winning 70% of their games, which I know sounds ridiculous. But, Wait a second. Um, Hold on. What? You're not impressed even? I mean, I'm impressed by the record, of course, but the, the way they win games, like, I'm sorry, they, they're never dominant. I mean, they honestly should have lost the first two games of the series to the Cincinnati Reds, who I think we had a running segment to the point where people were complaining about us only talking about the, the Reds and the Pirates for uh, what felt like a month which I'm glad we're outside of that sphere of our, of our days. We've, we've come through the dark ages. We're now in the Renaissance potentially. Um, but I got to say the, the Yankees, I feel like they're still pretty flawed. Um, seeing Clay Holmes now finally having some trouble, still have no idea what to think about Roldis Chapman. So um, I'm looking forward to these Yankees continuing to win. I feel like um, we'll see what happens when it gets to playoff time, but I, I'm still, uh, if I had to pick today, I'm, I'm still picking the Astros in the in the AL, but we'll but we'll, well get to that. Yeah, that next week. that that's the the bugaboo for the Yankees. But uh, I'd say the Yankees have 26, 26 comeback wins, which just leads Major League Baseball this year. So I think that's very important with how twenty six of their twenty six wins of how many they have seventy. You said uh, 62. They're 70 percent wins or 71. Yeah. So 62 wins, 26 of them are comeback wins. That's extremely important through a season. Um, I think the biggest thing we'll talk about, one thing we'll talk about is how bullpens will be used in the second half because you know burn guys out, which I think we're kind of seeing from certain teams, certain relievers are burnt, getting burnt out. I think one guy will, which will I think we're taking off with the Mets right now is Edwin Diaz, hopefully they're not going to burn him out to a point where he's he's been used so many times this year so far. Speaking of getting burnt out and uh, maybe needing some rest, it seems like uh, half of a major league roster decided to take the last weekend off uh, before the all-star break. Yeah. Do you want to just jump into the, do you want to just jump into that right now? Let's do it. Okay. So the Royals, if you're if you're betting on the Kansas City Royals this weekend, I'd say stay away because ten unvaccinated players have been ruled out of the Blue Jays series, and we've seen some players respond, some players aren't. Whit Merrifield responded saying, "You know, he's done his research, and if he was in a different situation, if you got traded to a different team, then maybe he might." get vaccinated and if there's a chance to play in Toronto again later in the year, then I things might change. And essentially he's telling his team that he doesn't even want to play for them anymore. And also that he's willing to take these, these days off adding to the all-star break. I, I think it's pretty bonkers how nuts that sounds. Uh, I, I understand this is, you have every right to not do it. But you are also putting your own team at a disadvantage, and which they're already at a disadvantage to begin with because they're not good. And Whit Merrifield is a very good hitter. I, I wouldn't say he's that good of a hitter this year, but over his career, he's been very, very good, consistently hitting 100, 180 to 200 hits a year. Um, Andrew Benatendi is one of those guys, and the rookie MJ Melendez, great catcher coming up. Uh, you have Brady Singer and Brad Keller as two guys in the rotation. Michael A. Taylor's having a good year. And there's a couple of the stragglers at the end of this list I have here. But you're a terrible team already. And then you have majority of these guys in these lists are starters. Hunter Dozier's a starter. Melendez is starting catching, um, you know, with, with how Salvador Perez has had this year. Uh, with Maryfield, Andrew Benintendi, Michael A. Taylor. Kyle Isbell probably starts a little bit here and there on the outfield. But when you have this situation going on, it's not, I don't, I personally, I don't think it's a good look when you're trying to win every day. That's why you suit up every single day is you try to win. Now, everyone talks about tanking or, you know, losing on purpose, whatever for higher draft picks. You see that more in different, different sports. You have all these games to play, you get paid millions of dollars. Go out and play, 
Uh, it's your right not to. I think it doesn't look great. And if you're, there's two guys on this list that have been talked about, one being talked about more than the other, but two guys on this list have been talked about being traded, Andrew Benintendi and Michael A. Taylor. Benintendi has been rumored to be traded to the New York Yankees for the last few months. The Yankees were super interested in him being another outfielder to take over maybe Aaron Hicks' spot because Aaron Hicks has been hit or miss. Stanton can DH. He can be in the outfield, whatever. And he's a left-handed bat who's had a very good year, and he's made the all-star team. Well, I don't think that's going to happen anymore because the Yankees have to play the, the Blue Jays six more times in the regular season, and they could be playing them in the postseason. You just never know how the, the Blue Jays will play down the stretch. And Michael A. Taylor has also been rumored a little bit to New York, but not as much as Ben Attendee. So in general, to come into my conclusion here, not only do the Royals not have 10 players in the final series of the year, but it just shows that players around their organization aren't willing to play every single day. Now, the front office, uh, the president, and GM, their manager, they're all vaccinated. So the leadership there is there. The leadership in the clubhouse seems like there, there isn't a overall opinion on whether to be vaccinated or not to play every single day. No, you know already that Toronto does not allow that. Canada doesn't allow it. And they know this day was going to come eventually. You know, luckily they're in the American League Central and they're not going to be playing every single uh, every other week or every three weeks against the, the Blue Jays like the Yankees do. And that's the reason why Ben Attendee will not be playing in New York. Definitely won't be playing in New York. Maybe he goes to New York Mets, but won't be going to the Yankees. Well, so, I mean, hold on, because he could get the vaccine during the season, which might have some side effects, all that sort of stuff. I don't know that that Ben Attendees has come out and said that he won't do it specifically. I do like that what Merrifield said, if we were a better team and we were in the playoffs, I would get vaccinated. But because this team sucks, I'm not doing it, which is one of the funnier things. I think of it is Griff, it, it's what what Merrifield said is one of the more wacky things I've ever heard. Throwing your team under the bus, clearly saying you don't want to play for them anymore, and you don't really want to play at all. And he's a gamer. He's played so many games in a row. He is consistently a guy that's always on the field. And you don't want to do that now because of the vaccine. And hold on, the guy's put all – he's done some research. So maybe we'll give him that. But um, I just think it's – Bonkers. I mean, either way, with the 10 guys on the roster or uh, or not on the roster, they're not winning this series. It's just not going to happen. The Blue Jays are way, way too good, and the Royals are garbage. So with those 10 guys or without them, they ain't winning this series. But I just think it's an absolutely crazy thing, and it's going to screw up with betting lines. And I, I know the Blue Jays will be favored in every single game. We don't have a line right now, but I just think it's weird. Well, you just see from Kevin Gosman tonight, who uh, everyone thought had a broken leg. Um, he's a nearly $4 favorite in the game that is in the third inning right now. So insane. That would be setting records on this podcast. But unfortunately, <laughs> as we get to Friday's lines, uh, that is not up. As you mentioned, Alec Manoa should be an over $3 favorite again because he's facing. Uh, a second double-A quality team. Uh, the Athletics were the only one that I was making fun of for a long time, but I think we're only going to see more of those because all these teams are just going to deal everyone they have, and that's going to make it so we're going to watch five games a night, unfortunately, instead of 15. But that's the nature of the business. That's the league right now. And uh, without further ado, I'll get into Friday's card. We'll start with the Mets visiting the Cubs, um, and best bets will come end of show, so stick with us. Uh, Taiwan Walker, who's been really good at Marcus Stroman. Currently, Taiwan's a minus 130 road favorite. No no total yet because of we don't know the wind at, at Wrigley Field. Um, but, you know, Taiwan Walker, he never struck guys out before. He's doing that now. He's done it for a few, few weeks now, maybe even a whole month. Um, started on like a big Sunday night baseball start. It's been really impressive since. Marcus Stroman has never been a big strikeout guy. He's got a good slider. He's going to try to keep the ball in the yard and try to keep the ball on the ground. So that's probably not a terrible setup for the Cubs as home underdogs, but uh, the Cubs being favorites this week to the really hot, white, hot, orange, hot uh, Baltimore Orioles has been pretty surprising to me. 
Um, and they did not deliver on any of those expectations so far. I think from what I see or what I'm expecting, this one is a Mets win. What do you think? I really wish this was a uh, it flipped. I wish the Cubs were playing New York with Stroman on the mound because the atmosphere would be insane. I think the atmosphere will still be kind of nuts because the Mets fans travel really well and travel in Chicago is not that far. They do. Uh, Stroman's, this is a very important game for Stroman overall because of the way he left New York. He talked a lot of shit like he, like he usually does. And I'm a big fan of him, Long Island guy, but he talks a lot and he's very emotional. I just don't think he's going to be able to compete against this Mets lineup with how hot it's been lately. And I think Tywin Walker is having a great year. And I think he's a continue it against a Chicago team that loves to swing and miss. They strike out a lot. So um, shout out Patrick Wisdom, my guy. Yeah, Strikes so uh, except, except David Ross keeps having him bunt. Um, next we'll go Philly at Miami. Maybe you want to look at a, a strikeout prop for Taiwan Walker. Um, but in the meantime, we'll go to Miami. Uh, Kyle Gibson, who's been getting absolutely launched lately it's getting um, shelled at sandy alcantara who has been the opposite he's been launching firearms or excuse me bullets at at uh i don't want to make this a violent show but uh anyway sandy Al- alcantara has been <laughs> awesome uh he's a minus 156 favorite at home despite miami also putting out a double a lineup at this point as they're missing a lot of players maybe garrett cooper he he came in today i think because they had to because uh, Miguel Rojas got a tooth knocked out in the middle of the game, which was bizarre on a steal attempt from O'Neill Cruz. He's just such a beast. Um, and but Billy Hamilton record, like crushed his eye too, like sliding at home plate. Billy Hamilton playing in the big leagues in 2022 is just a, a statement of how problem how many problems are in this game right now. But Alcantara minus 156 favorite at home over under seven. It's a monster number for for Miami, I got to say. But if there's any park for Philly to go into and struggle. It is the cavernous Marlins Park with the weird sculpture that may or may not still be there in center field. Um, and just I, it's a really hard place for Philly to hit the ball out of the ballpark and a really hard pitcher to do that, too. I just can't really see a Miami team who I think really deserve to get swept by the lowly Pittsburgh Pirates this week. Uh, I think they ended up salvaging a split, but still um, I, there's not a lot for me to do this game. I know. Uh, it's the Marlins offense when you have a couple of their better guys out. It is just a scary game to bet on against them. Even what they, even if they have Alcantara or Lopez on the mound, I I know I just said that, but I just Alcantara just really hasn't struggled this year. He's had when he faced the Phillies on June thirteenth, seven and two thirds, allowed two earned runs, three walks, five Ks. That's not really struggling in my eyes. Uh, he pitched really well. He's pitched well all year long. His last start against the Mets. And, and let's just be honest. I'm looking at a lot of the, his games he's pitched in. He's only faced really good teams. And he plays in a tough division. But he's played the Braves twice since uh, this is the start of since May. Braves twice, Giants, Phillies, Mets three times, Cardinals and the Angels, where he carved up the Angels, striking out 10. They are – I like Alcantara. I think I always like Alcantara, but I think Griff was right. You, you got to just be careful with this one because of how how bad the lineup is for the Marlins. Next, we'll go Atlanta at Washington. Ian Anderson, who has not been good, and Patrick Corbin, who is not good, uh, has nothing in that arm anymore it seems that slider is a waste pitch at best uh but ian anderson is a minus 210 road favorite over under is nine and a half and if washington had any sort of pulse um maybe even a run line the problem is the brave get braves get nine at bats uh man not this is an ugly ugly friday especially because how many games don't have lines but we're still going to talk about them so stay with us um but it's Washington or nothing for me. I just, I don't know how the heck I can pull the trigger. It, it just, this will, this just goes to show how bad Patrick Corbin is. If Ian Anderson's a plus, a minus 210, that's very bad. Patrick Corbin has not really lived up to his 
long, long contract that he got from the Nationals. Uh, unfortunate, but I'm just going to stay away from this game altogether. They did get a World Series, but uh, yeah. But ever yeah, since then, he's been garbage. The later end. I mean, it's amazing that he was able to do that then, and then the precipitous drop off that hill. Uh, next, we'll go Cincinnati at St. Louis. Hunter Green at Andre Palante. And currently, Palante is a minus 163 home favorite. Over-under is nine. Um, I got to say, Palante doesn't scare me. Uh, I lean reds here. Hunter Green... He, both these guys have fastballs that are very hittable. Um, it, we'll see what Hunter Green does because he's the speed thing just isn't really a thing at this level, I don't think. Um, people like fastballs in Major League Baseball. It's going to be a big tell on how well his slider does. He's going to be up against a bunch of right-handed hitters, especially um, in this Cardinals lineup as Tyler O'Neill returned tonight. Um, I'm leaning to the, the Reds as we speak, but the, the Reds are bad, and it's hard to deal with them. I do really like Alexis Diaz, uh, Edwin Diaz's little brother, uh, the back end of that bullpen, though. They throw a wild pitch, though. Let's just talk about that. Uh, at least two wild pitches that move runners. Yes, correct. Uh, if you are looking at the Reds like Griff is, like, I kind of get it. And I also – you also can add this caveat, too. They, they're playing competitive baseball against the, the New York Yankees, which – in my eyes, I was furious in that game one loss. I was so angry. Like, you can't be losing at home against the, one of the worst teams in baseball. And they got the walk-off win, and now they just need and to. And then they almost did it again. I know. I, I don't, it bothers me. But I don't know. I, Palante has pitched pretty well. He's not going to, like, scary. But also Hunter Green, We I've mentioned it before. The fastball is just not – you need you can't just have that. You need to have your breaking pitches, and he's a rookie, so he'll get get that together. But you need your your off speed stuff to work as well. He did have a good start last time out against the Rays. Uh, six innings, only one earned run. Uh, nine Ks in those six innings. I feel like strikeout. He's one one hundred and seven Ks in eighty five and a third innings so far. So that seems to be not an issue for Hunter Green. But he does have these starts where, I mean, he's had. And just, I think, the last sample of starts that Yahoo's displaying, he's got uh, at least four of them, nine ERA or higher, which is just not good enough at, at this level. 5.7 ERA is probably a little high for a 1.34 whip, um, especially when you look at Palante, who I think last time I looked, he was like in the, yeah, he's got a 3.18 ERA and a 1.43 whip. So, like, those are pretty big differences. 1.43 whip is is large for that type of ERA considering Hunter Greens is better. So I, I lean to the Reds. Um, we'll see if I get a little bit more into it. Next we'll go Pittsburgh at Colorado. Currently Jose Quintana, who's been very good um, in this resurgence, pretty inexplicable, but somehow he's doing it. At Herman Marquez, who had a pretty good start his last time out, I believe against the Diamondbacks. Um, currently Marquez is minus 135 home favorite after the Rockies dismantled a pretty good Padres team. Um, at least standings wise, uh, over under is 11. And uh, I, I lean to the Pirates, they've been playing pretty well. Um, but it's hard to want to go against the Rockies. I feel like they're a play them at home and fade the heck out of them on the road type of team. That 566 ERA uh scares me. It's it ain't it ain't good when you're a starting pitcher consistently. I know we just saw Hunter Green's a 570 ERA, but. Marquez has been an all-star type pitcher before. So looking at these numbers, pitching at home, where we already know how hard it is to pitch in Colorado to begin with, it, it really doesn't settle right with me when I'm when I'm trying to bet on a game like this. Yeah, he, he I feel like he's wasted a lot of his years of having a really dominant arm because he was in course field where it's hard to move the breaking balls, all that sort of stuff. But I, I do think that's gonna be a thing. Problem is, just as you think about backing Jose Quintana, I just like I know it's the same. You're just hoping that like they don't hit him hard, and I feel like that you never know when that's going to happen. Next, we'll go to uh, the Padres' home park at Petco. Uh, cool spot. Grab seats in the 200 section instead of the 100s if you're going. That is my pro tip of the day. Uh, Arizona with Madison Bumgarner at U Darvish, who is still a great pitcher, no matter how much everyone has has drifted their attention to another Japanese pitcher. Um, but Darvish currently minus 175 home favorite over under seven and a half. Seems like a pretty low number for Arizona Mad starting Madison Bumgarner, but the, the Padres haven't been hitting. 
Yeah, but this is the right guy to have on the mound, though, when, you, when you're struggling in offense like this. He's had one bad start in his last, I think, here, one, two, three, four, five, six. In his last six starts, he's had one bad start against the Dodgers. Against the Dodgers, yeah. Yeah, letting up five, three home runs, but striking out 10 in that game. Other than that, he's let up zero runs, one run three times, and then against the Phillies, let up three earned runs. But he is, even when he was pitching in Texas, when that was when he was elite. He was one of the most elite pitchers in the game. Still very good now. But this is the type of pitcher that that you need on the mound when your offense is struggling like this. And when I I said before during your series spotlight talking about the Brewers and Giants, like ending a series with a win, like winning the series, sometimes when you're struggling either in the pitching department or hitting department, Ending a series like this and starting off fresh in the, in the second half is also really boring. So I can tell you this. Maybe the Padres really, really want the series just to end like that. So maybe having Darvish in the mound starting off in this game could really help them um, in the right direction when it comes to ending the series and ending the first half. Well, that's a nice segue into my series spotlight for this weekend. Milwaukee is host, excuse me, visiting San Francisco. Um, Brandon Woodruff at Alex Wood has already mentioned on this pod, but currently Woodruff has actually moved to a, a favorite on the road. He's minus 114 right now, over under is seven. Not a lot of runs expected in San Francisco, should be a grinder. Um, and I lean to Woodruff because I just I think it's gonna be really hard for Alex Wood to follow up a big start against a, a really struggling uh San Diego offense. Not that Milwaukee's been much better, and certainly in a, a very pitcher-friendly park. Uh, but I think Woodruff is going to be able to get through a San Francisco lineup. Um, and I like that bullpen a lot more, as I've already mentioned, but I'm not a huge fan of, of betting favorites on the road in any sport. Um, so we'll see where this number goes. But there's been a, a significant buyback on Rodon and for tonight's start. So maybe Wood will catch some money, especially coming off a good start. But it's Brewers or nothing for me. Brennan Woodruff start off the, se- the season kind of shaky hit the IL. Yep. But ever since his May 15th start against the Marlins, he's now lowered his ERA to a under a, a full run. So now he's sitting at 401 on May 15th. He's at a 535 and he's pitched very well. He's not really going the distance like he was maybe the last few years, you know, four innings here, five innings here. He's still trying to bounce back from his IL stint. But I, I like Woodruff. He throws absolute gas and he has really nice breaking stuff uh, against a, a giant lineup which is it's very inconsistent and uh, I, I roll with Griff here always good uh, we'll next move to a bunch of no lines but we'll go through them while we have them uh, as you mentioned in, in your series spotlight Red Sox Yankees big surprise from uh, our New York resident but Nathan Eovaldi is visiting Jordan Montgomery um, no line here. I imagine that Montgomery would probably be a minus 150 or so favorite. Um, it's hard to say what can, we can expect. Maybe even that might even be short, maybe a little bit higher than that. Uvalde coming off the IL is, is hard to trust. Really not sure how long he'll go. And then you get a bunch of the Red Sox bullpen, which I don't think we'll have Garrett Whitlock. He's rumored that he might be coming off the IL, and that's a big arm, especially because he's a rule five guy taken from the Yankees. Um, but what do you think about Jordan Montgomery? I mean, he's been, he's, he's never been that consistent over his career, but he's had a pretty good year so far. I've been very vocal on podcasts, different ones. I've been vocal on Twitter, how my, uh, my dislike of Jordan Montgomery, uh, I haven't really liked him Uh, ever since 2021 though. He's been pitching extremely well. I mean, the the ERA is three, three, eight, three in 2021 is okay. Uh, but the 319 this year, he's been pitching well, and he seems to get out of big jams, which is different from what we've seen in the past. Saw in the past that he could not get out of the jams he was putting himself into. Um, you know, he faced the Red Sox in his last start in Fenway, five and two-thirds, let up two earned. One of them was a home run. Really wasn't impressed by that outing, but there was a moment where he got up a huge jam, which I'm seeing through Preston. His changeup is is really working. Fastball's not going to be light in the radar going up at like 92, so um, 93. But I I think this is neat. This is a really big start for him overall. 
seeing if he can help the bullpen out and go seven innings against the Red Sox. It ain't easy, but I, I hope we see like a solid start out of Monty to end the first half. I mean, that 1.03 whip is sexy. So uh, nice. I like it. I think he's added more swing and miss stuff, which is important. Next, we'll go Kansas City at Toronto uh, w- without risking another wax poetical from uh, Taylor Ringgold on the, the Royals. Uh, we got Zach Grinky at Alec Manoa. We're thinking definitely above minus 300, maybe yeah. approaching the four Fours. range. Uh, Alec Manoa, who's really not been spectacular, but um, just seems to get it done. And uh, this should be a, a lineup that he should be able to knife his way through while Zach Grinky is going to be holding on for dear life from start to finish. So um, would play the lottery instead of the Royals, I think, uh, yeah. on Friday. Uh, next, we'll go Detroit at Cleveland. We do have a line here. Thank Jeebus. Uh, Drew Hutchison at Zach Plezak. Currently, Plezak a minus 171 favorite at home. Over under is eight. I don't know how these teams are to score eight runs combined in eight games, never mind this game. But, um, you know, Hutchison never really could do it at the big league level. Uh, the Cleveland Guardian lineup certainly isn't strong, but. I think Plesak will be able to do his thing. And then we get to the bullpens late. So I feel like if anything, there's I got a little bit of an underlean in this one. What do you think? I remember watching Hutchison pitch in Toronto way back when, when he in like 2014, 2015. Yeah. He he is the definition of like he's just above like average, maybe. He's a below average majority of the time pitcher. He won like 13 games in 2015 with a almost a five and a half ERA. He's just not a good pitcher. He is going to be, I guess, serviceable for the Tigers in this game. Plesak, he's hit or miss too. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to the delay, the latter half of the of this game. The, the last, you know, the six or six or six to the ninth or the seventh to the ninth. I want to see how that goes. I mean, that does probably potentially even favor the the Tigers with the big arms at the end. But yeah. Um, tough to get there. Next, we'll go Baltimore at Tampa. Uh, one of, if not the hottest team. I mean, the Mariners are on a big streak as well. But the Orioles, Tyler Wells, who didn't have a great start last time out uh, against the Angels, but got bailed out late with a victory. And it sounds like Patino is coming back for Tampa in this one. Um, they've dismantled the Red Sox so far in this series and are playing as we speak. No line. I imagine Tampa will be a favorite because I can't. I mean, they have to be considering the Orioles just went to. Uh, Wrigley Field, and we're dogs to the lowly Cubs. But I like the Orioles. I got to say, Tampa had a really good series so far against the Red Sox. I wonder if they're going to be able to put two of those together back to back. Next, we'll go Seattle at Texas. Robbie Ray at unknown. No line there. Of course, Robbie Ray has been really good lately, and that park will will help him out, I think, quite a bit. Uh, next, we'll go Oakland at Houston. Cole Irvin, who's been pretty no good so far this year. No line, of course. Jake Odorizzi trying to fight his way back into a starting rotation role. I feel like you might – I mean, they probably invested too much into him to give up, but I feel like we're basically at that point. And then finally, we'll get to a game with a line, and that is the White Sox at the Twins, which should be a pretty good series and would be a big statement if the Twins can keep extending their lead against what should have been the uh, division champion that everyone was picking preseason. Michael Kopak at Devin Smeltzer – um smelter's not going to be that impressive on the mound where Kopech can be potentially uh current number is smelter minus 128 home favorite over under is eight and a half and uh devin smelter has been really good this year but i'm not sure how long that lasts the nice part is uh for the white Sox, i guess is that he's a lefty and that's who they seem to hit so um i feel like it's white Sox or nothing here at this number even though they are terrible yeah smelter is a a ground ball machine that's what he loves. He's a ground ball. It's a little fly ball here and there, but he's not going to be striking out of the world. He's not going to be overpowering guys. He's got, he's got a lot of nasty. Um, maybe nasty is kind of a stretch, but he's got some nice movement on his breaking balls. Kopech, on the other hand, his last start against these Twinkies was on July 5th, and he did not pitch well at all. He put that ERA up into the three and a half, three, three threes. He went four and two thirds, eight hits, six earned runs, four home runs four walks he pitched like shit against this <laughs> twins team i mean that is a bad bad start and this is the problem with the white Sox. they just they have on paper 
what do you think, Griff? On paper, one of the best starting fives in, in the league when healthy with Giolito, Dylan Cease, Lance Lynn, Kopech, and then I'm forgetting who the five would be, but um, uh, Vince Velasquez. Vince Velasquez. I was thinking that. No, I, I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. I don't know. I mean, uh, Johnny Cueto. Oh, yeah, Cueto, the old man Cueto. But do you think like it sucks because they should be in first place by how talented their team is? And I think the biggest blow in this year, we'll talk about this length on Wednesday, but the White Sox pitching is what's gotten them into trouble all year long this year. And uh, I mean, I, honestly, I feel like it's their hitting. Their, their hitting hasn't done enough either. They have a bunch of injury prone players that can't stay on the field. Uh, Jose Abreu amazingly plays every day at 35 or 37 at whatever that birth certificate actually says. Who knows if that's the truth? He's still producing at an advanced age. Tim Anderson hasn't been the same. I mean, the, you can honestly point anywhere on this team, and uh, there'll be a lot of Tony LaRusso discussion on Wednesday. So I know everyone wants to hear that from me. Yeah, I, I hope I hope Kopech has a good start because he needs to bounce back against the Twins. Because I know the Twins are a good team. They got two All Stars going to the All Star game. Good for them with Arias and Buxton. Um, I just don't know how Smeltzer is going to last. I mean, he goes five innings and then. You know, pray to whatever guy you pray to for the for that Twins bullpen. Yeah, that, that that bullpen is a big issue. So that so to me, if you're thinking about betting this game, uh, you're catching odds on the White Sox who hit lefties better. They have a better bullpen in a tight game late. So that's two good things. Certainly, you got to worry about going on the road. Um, but and who knows what their coaching staff is going to do? Larusa is probably going to bunt Jose Abreu at the bases loaded or something like that. But. <laughs> Um, White Sox are nothing for me there based on that awful Twins pen. And last but not least, we get the freeway series. Dodgers at Angels um, was expecting to have two playoff teams here, but it looks like only one of them will be. Clayton Kershaw, Patrick Sandoval, I imagine pretty clearly since the, the Dodgers are favored against everybody. Dodgers will be favored. Uh, I'll tell you what, a little bit behind the curtain. I, I'm thinking Kershaw might be a minus 160 favorite or something like that. Um, Makes sense. a little low. Patrick Sandoval's been been okay. Um, he's always had good stuff, has never been able to stay healthy, but this is gonna be a big test for him against the Dodgers. And, and ultimately we'll we'll see what happens with this one where the line comes. But unfortunately, we don't have one yet. So uh we're just gonna take the that game off just like what Merrifield is taking off the rest of the first half. Um got him next, there. And before we get to our best bets, thanks for everyone for hanging along with us. Uh I'll give you a, a promo code foul20. Foul ball minus the ball, just foul 20. Foul like uh, my co-host Taylor's language. But I'm uh, 20% off for all of our listeners on this Major League Baseball podcast. Uh, 20% off for my picks. You can grab them each night before I go to sleep. Um, usually about probably 1 a.m. 1, 1 Central time. I'm trying to get it earlier, but uh, not very successful with that so far as Rafi Devers hits one off the top of the dome in St. Petersburg. Uh, but foul 20, use that. You can buy, tw- you get 20% off my picks, everyone else on, on pregame.com. And without further ado, I'll, I'll give this one to Taylor since he, he saved our one-on-one uh, podcast on, on, on Wednesday. Who do you got for Friday on your best bet? As I have a, a slim one half game lead into our last uh, show with picks and best bets, at least. Uh, for the first half wraps up. All right. I'm going to a guy that I mentioned for, let me just start up here. Um, Cause I'm like debating here what I want to do. All right. I'll go with this guy. I'll go with this guy. Got it. All right. All right. Ready? Yeah. No one wants to hear that. So my best bet for Friday's episode will be the San Diego Padres and you Darvish. Uh, I've been a, a fan of Darvish this year. He is the pitcher that the Padres need right now. They've lost three. Um, they're three and seven in their last 10. It's not looking good. They're on a three-game losing streak. Uh, they've lost games to the Rockies, which is something that you, you, like, you need to beat the Rockies. I don't care if you're home or away. The offense has been struggling a little bit. If you want to keep a low-scoring game, I think this is the guy that's going to get you the W Darvish has pitched really well this year. He's coming off a dominant start against San Francisco giants at home. Darvish is a dominating pitcher. I like Padres and you Darvish minus minus one seventy-five. lock it in. 
Well, uh, one of our hosts is not as afraid of the juice, that's for sure. But actually, I think funny scenario, some ridiculous number of, of games that the Padres had lost in a row to the Rockies until uh, I believe Joe, uh, they, they want, they want to, they didn't get swept in Denver, but it had been really bad for him. So maybe that's just a house of horrors for him. It certainly is for the pitching staff. I'm going to go with uh, Hunter green, the Cincinnati reds run line. So plus one and a half uh, only get eight at bats. Hopefully if this game, I mean, I guess hopefully I, I'm really hoping to get nine. So the, the reds win, I don't have to sweat too, too much. Uh, I'm just not a believer in Palante. I think this is a big, big series that the, the Cardinals are coming off having used every bullet in that bullpen uh, against the Dodgers. I mean, we saw Gallegos last night. I mean, Wainwright tried to go as far as he could, but um, that bullpen, I mean, with, with Clay Helsley, right, he was down last night. Um, it's just that probably is not his first name, but Helsley, Ryan Helsley was down last yes. night, and that was a big problem for him, and I think it's probably why they ended up losing the game. And uh, getting my my co-host a best bet W, which we'll take him any way we get him because we lose him in, in gross fashion. Uh, but I'm going to go run line on the Cincinnati Reds, Hunter Green. I think he's going to get some swings and misses from a St. Louis lineup that is going to be exhausted uh, along with a bullpen is behind it. And I kind of like what I've seen, uh, like I said, from Alexis Diaz in there in the closer role for Cincinnati. You can follow me on Twitter, the real underscore G Warner. Feel free to throw anything you got at us, for, especially for our episodes next week as we're kind of going to be flying from the hip, shooting from the hip. Um, we got all-star game, home run derby stuff on Monday. We're going to do rest of season look outlooks on Wednesday. And then certainly our, our Friday, we'll be back to normal, giving you our, our best bets, uh, which will grade. And, and hopefully I'll continue to keep my lead. Go ahead, Taylor. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Taylor Ringgold, T-A-Y-L-O-R-R-I-N-G-O-L-D. And I also have been posting content the last few days and going to continue on on my Instagram you can follow me there, Taylor underscore Ringold, T-A-Y-L-O-R underscore R-I-N-G-O-L-D. Another great episode, Griff. Another great episode. We have two more episodes, like Griff said. Monday, doing all-star stuff. Wednesday, recapping the season. DM both of us. We'll still do fan questions. If you guys are keeping keep DMing us on Wednesday, we would love it. All right. That's a great episode. This is the last episode of the first half talking about baseball betting. And we got two more to go. And then we're on to the second half of the major league season. I feel like it's gone like this. I don't know about you. Has it gone quick for you? It's gone quick, but uh, make sure you get your rest with Merrifield. Enjoy your weekend in beautiful Kansas City uh, while your team is losing a bunch of games in Toronto. Yikes. So that's the last time we'll talk about that for a while. See how that goes. But all right. Another great episode out of RJ Bell's Dream Preview MLB edition. We will talk to you guys on Monday. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy betting. Talk to you soon.